Welcome to Leadership Unleashed. Today's leaders must be experts in emotional intelligence, the art of persuasion, and masters of motivation. Each week, you'll hear hints and tips to help you develop confidence, build your identity, and your skills as a leader. Here's your host, authentic leadership expert, Leslie Hunter. Hello and welcome to Leadership Unleashed. I'm Leslie Hunter, and this is the show that's going to help you develop your identity, confidence, skills, and performance as a leader. Now, you're probably thinking, no, no, not another leadership expert telling me what I should be doing. And what do you know about my situation as a leader anyway? Well, I guarantee we're going to do something dramatically different on Leadership Unleashed, and the clue is in the title. Whether you run a multi-million dollar company, lead a team on a sports field, are the leader of learning in a classroom, or are simply taking your dog for a walk, being a leader in all these situations have some key similarities. And these are the common threads that we're going to unpick and explore on each show. And I'm going to start by asking a very simple question. What can human leaders learn from dogs? No, don't turn off. We're going to have a serious discussion about this. Yes, it may sound a little quirky, but I can tell you from experience that the answer is we can learn a lot, and when we open our mind and think about it, it works. So stay with me today and in the coming weeks as I talk to leaders and experts from the spectrum of business, sport and education, some of whom may have dogs and some who don't. And we take a unique look at how to be a real leader in today's fast-paced, changing world. So having said that, in today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by someone I've known for many years. Someone who has lots of hints and tips to share with us about the lessons he has learned as a leader from his gorgeous golden retriever, Alfie. So my guest today is Mike Smith. Mike, welcome to Leadership Unleashed. Thanks, Leslie. Privileged to be with you. It's a privilege to have you on the show, Mike. So, Mike, we need to tell the audience a little bit about you. And currently, you're the director of 3L Lifelong Learning. Um, But previously, you've also worked at the leading edge of companies in leadership sectors. So you've worked at Management Research Group, Management Center Europe, Middle East, and the American Management Association. But I believe you actually started your professional career in an entirely different sphere with a large PLC. And am I right in saying you started off in HR with the Tioxide Group? I started off in training and then um, subsequently got into HR. And um, yeah, that that was my first experience of changing an organization. Prior to that, I'd been in teaching. But the experience of working with... um, 15,500 people worldwide was quite an exciting period. Wow, 15,500 people. And, and, and in that role, Mike, from those very early days, I'm sure your, your definition will probably have changed and shaped over the years, but how would you define being a leader? That's a really, um, that's a really exciting question. It involves so many things, and I think the essence of it is that people are willing to follow you. Okay. And um, I think what I learned going into an organization that was, um, 
the reason for being recruited into um, Tioxide was a cultural change. And trying to lead a cultural change is really interesting. So getting people to follow you was an interesting part of the process. And as part of um, being in Management Center Europe, we, I was there at the, the change from the communist bloc countries going to a commercialization process. And that, that approach was really interesting. You were sort of parachuted into companies in Poland and Hungary and the Czech Republic, as it was then. And um, it, it really was the forefront of a change process. And now I'm working with companies in the Middle East. So, so you say that being a, a leader is about getting people to follow you. Give me some idea about how you would even start to do that. I think there's two um, clear messages for me. One is um, understanding that leadership is a process. Okay. It involves you um, developing a vision that people are willing to follow. Um, getting the commitment to that vision because it's different from management you can't tell people to go into an uncertain future you can only persuade and influence and provide examples where they can go so management is about control is making people do things and ultimately as your power as manager you can tell people this is what I want you to do how I want you to do it and when I want you to do it as a leader you've actually got to convince people that the direction you're taking them is different from where they are now so you can't really use your organizational power it's very different it's about persuasion Right, so the distinction you've made there is that management is about control and there could be an aspect of telling people, whereas leadership, it's very much the persuasion and, as you say, almost sharing that vision and direction with people. And at times I need to be able to, con to, to control and set direction through, if you're going to do this, then you're part of the, the organisation that you, you work in. The the balance between management and leadership is quite an interesting balance. Can some organizations. Yes, sorry, explain that. Some organizations require a lot of innovation. And the balance between innovation and experience, doing things the way you'd always done things, is part of that management of change process. So if I'm in a, a high-tech organization that changes everything because yesterday isn't like today, I need to have strong leadership based on vision and based on commitment. If I'm working in a traditional organization where what happened yesterday is the same as today and perhaps the same as tomorrow, then the balance between management and leadership changes. That, that's, it. that's interesting. Do you think then... And, and I mean, I'm talking here from my experience of working with clients, so I know my answer to this question, which I'm not going to share yet. Um, do you think that being a good manager necessarily means you would be a good leader? Ah. Um, let, let, me make that, let me come back to the second distinction that I was going to make. The first one was leadership. It's a process. Okay. I, need to, I need to create a, a vision. I need to share that vision and persuade people that it's a good thing to take that vision and why that direction is better than what they're doing at the moment. I need to gain their commitment and gain their views on that commitment to 
embrace the whole concept of change and get people committed to it. That's why the first follower is so critical. The second part of the distinction I'm going to make is about authentic leadership. Okay, and go on. Th that's where, and, and I'll share some experience, some personal experiences over, over the last sort of five years later. But authentic leadership for me is involves much more self-awareness. There are times when, particularly when you're highly stressed, when you're getting a lot of resistance, where things aren't going the way that you want them to go, that you need to be aware of all your behavioral patterns from the past, what you believe, where you got your thinking from, where you got your behavior from, and question whether what you're doing now is appropriate for the future or whether you're simply replicating the past. Oh, that sounds so familiar. That's, that really does sound so familiar. You know, repeating patterns and saying to yourself so many times, right, I'm not going to do that again. And then six months down the line, you remind yourself that you had said you weren't going to do whatever that pattern was again as you're standing there having just done it again yeah that, that's something i'm sure i'm sure the listeners will uh, will resonate with and have have experienced themselves but that's very very difficult to break those patterns isn't it you've got to recognize them in the first instance um it it, it it's a context and an awareness thing for me that recognizing that um you may have a lot of experience you may have a lot of credibility. The ability to go into a situation and check whether what you're doing authentically matches your values, authentically matches your behavior, authentically matches your belief, and is in line with what your experience is a really complex, thought-provoking, challenging experience wow yes it's, it's it sounds it sounds really quite deep but i'm i i'm going to take you out of that for a second and just say this sounds so familiar again but in a different context now you and i might both know that i've got a dog um a large boisterous german shepherd who has got patterns of behavior you've got a beautiful dog alfie the golden retriever how has alfie helped you to understand what you've just been explaining to me there Oh, wow. How deep do you want to go? <laughs> well, we've, this is a half-hour show, Mike. You know, we've only, got, <laughs> we've only got another 20 minutes left. So, I, I, I think I, I, I can relate to leadership with, with Alfie. Like most people would say, you know, you've got a dog on a lead. That's, that's leading. That's not necessarily leading. Half the time, Alfie pulls me around the bloody village. <laughs> How old is he? He's six now. He's six, okay. <laughs> he might slow down in a couple of years. So go I think on. What, what Alfie has done has helped me with that process I described as authentic leadership. And it, and it comes from a time of crisis. I, I was diagnosed with cancer five years ago. And um, coming through and feeling the benefit of recovery and I'm fully recovered now was a, was a painful process and involved some really deep searching about 
what you were going to spend the rest of your life with. It also hit a time when um, the recession was hitting and business was getting tight. And I also had some problems with family relationships and ended up in a breakup of a marriage that had lasted for 32 years. And Alfie and I moved to North Yorkshire um, to a beautiful place called Great Ayton that's on the North Yorkshire Moors. It's beautiful there, I know I know it well, yes. And we got lots of walks up to Rosebury Topping and lots of time spent um, reflecting that there's the spiritual part of life and the practical part of life. And to have somebody there when you're really feeling a question about the direction you're taking in life and where you're going, that authentically supports you and you're authentically supporting him and has that way of cutting through the relationship. It's not about the words. It's not about thing. It's about finding a companion that actually supports you and is there by your side and is there on a hilltop and is there consistently with you. Okay, so so take that. I can understand and I'm sure people will understand how that is a, a, a great support and comfort at a personal level. Take, take that a little further for me and, and explain how Alfie has therefore helped you learn to be a better leader um, and, and you define for yourself the context in, in which you think you know that being a leader would sit there um, during times of crisis the thing that you need is resilience That's and the point. fact and the fact that you've you've got you've got somebody there that is your first follower is somebody who requires support so the walks were part of my exercise as well um, requires resilience because you know when a dog needs support they'll tell you in various ways so that ability to read behavior is fundamental the ability to um, to stay with somebody but also understand their traits because Alfie likes he's a, he, whether when you put a, a, um, a people characteristic on a dog he's very independent you, you put him off the lead and he will go and run for ages in woods that are completely free from any barriers and getting him back was an interesting thing in the beginning <laughs> another familiarity there <laughs> and uh, and actually getting to a point where you can find cues for his independence and allowing him to think, and the fact that he'll come back and check you at various decision points. So you're beginning to get a, we're going on a walk, we're going on a walk together, where you go and where I go may involve different changes, different sets, different things that we're looking for. But when it comes to those key decision points on that walk, Alfie is there in front of me, right. looking at where we're going next. What is it that we're going to do? And I've just chased a deer, Dad. I've <laughs> just chased a deer, I've just chased the rabbit. Didn't catch it, but... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, so, so what you're saying there is, I think I'm getting the parallels now, what you're saying there is, it's the journey, it's the journey where at times you may be out front leading, or he may be out front leading, you may both be doing 
your own thing, um, but you're there to support each other and there will be points along that journey, you refer to them as decision points, where you'll come together and sort of sense check that you're still doing yep. what you... Yeah. That, oh, that's, it's, the, it's the same issue with corporate. When you're in corporate, those directions that you're taking, if you've got those first followers, they're the ones that will reinforce. They're the ones that will give you straight honest feedback about the direction you're taking and why why sometimes that resistance is important to work through and the emotional resistance that comes from it. Now it's interesting you mentioned something else there that that again seems so so familiar for me as a dog owner you talked about that um, straight honest feedback Um, but what I find is that the feedback I get is instantaneous Um, it's sometimes it's quite in your face Uh, there's no emotional baggage tied up with it the way that there sometimes are with with colleagues and you know staff in the workplace Um, it's immediate feedback at that point in time um, and and quite often that's that's refreshing but that doesn't happen very much uh, with, with humans does it to that's the same extent we, to the same extent and and one of the things about leadership is some best leadership may not necessarily involve a hierarchy but it often does in people's perceptions and experiences so often leadership and hierarchy are part of the same team. Often in authentic leadership it's where that hierarchy has actually got a point that what you're getting is trust and honesty. And that's not about what defining trust is very different for people. What it is is about the durability of a relationship. Right. And that brings back the resilience again, doesn't it? Durability and re- resilience kind, kind of sit together quite well. Uh, durability and resilience, absolutely spot on. I mean, in terms of under, you know, questions like, um, do you need trust as a leader? Well, t- mm-hmm. tell me what trust tell me what trust is. Mm-hmm. What you certainly need is durability and honesty. And if you can get that, that's in a relationship and that for me is about trust but trust when you talk to some people it's about honesty and openness and when you talk about trust to other people it's about delivering what you expect to deliver and the definition often gets caught up in words with people where the definition with a dog is quite 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 stark and direct and clear you know you're touching on a whole range of things here that uh, you know uh, Trust, relationships, support, direction, um, feedback, resilience. There's a whole range of of areas here that we could explore. So obviously I'm going to have to talk to you again at some stage (laughs) to to tease some of these out. Um, It's not not what people say though, it's what people do. And it's the behaviour. And the one difference between humans and dogs is you've got to read behaviour. I mean that. Even as a dog owner, I've got to take Alfie onto a place where there are a number of people who are also walking their dogs. And what I find is it's often not the dogs I've got to watch. It's, it's the, the owners. Yes, yeah. 
and I've got to anticipate what they're going to do. I've got to anticipate the look on their face, what they're doing with their dog. I've got to relate because some people view their dog as a child and they want to protect it. So I've got to react to that response with my dog, who tends to be more independent than... Well, he's not more independent than my kids are, but... <laughs> um, are your no. kids chase deer on the, you know, did you teach them to chase deer as well? Or is, it, is this just uh, just something between you and Alfie? No, it's just something between Alfie and I. <laughs> um, but it is that ability to, to read and anticipate what people's responses are and understand that their experiences may not be the same experience as yours. And again, that relates back to leadership. If I'm capable of leading something not only have i got to be capable of managing and leading a leadership process i've also got to find that connection and that relationship durability to go with it okay let me let me take you back because there's two things I, I want to pick up on from what you've said one is i want to take you back to resilience um and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute um but what would you say to people who may be listening to this now and saying, okay, Mike, that's fine. You're telling me a nice story, but um, do you really expect me to go into work tomorrow and tell them to sit and, you know, give them a treat if they, if they bring me my cup of tea or my slippers or whatever? In other words, are we anthropomorphizing these animals and are we trying to read something into it that isn't there? Or do you genuinely believe that because you're talking about behaviour, it translates, in effect, across the species, let alone the breeds. Um, I've got two t I'm going to go back to your original statement. If someone believes that they can go into work tomorrow and shout, sit, and everybody's going to sit, <laughs> that's the first question. Okay. The second question is to believe at a, at a basic level that the only response that you're going to get from a dog is sit. It's nice for them to do. <laughs> But actually, it's a lot more complex managing a dog and leading a dog than actually getting them to sit. Yeah. Though some people I can, I can understand may find that difficult and may find that rewarding. It's the basics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, let's go back to resilience then. Because the, a question I was going to ask you was, I mean, you, you've obviously been involved in the, the field of working with and developing both managers and leaders over the years and and globally you know you, you you're working in the middle east now but you've also worked across you know the americas and europe and and so on um, and putting cultural issues aside you must have seen some changes over the years so what do you think are the main challenges that leaders are likely to be facing currently where resilience is going to be so important for them yeah, I, I, in the last 15 years, I've been in 38 countries. Wow. Um, it was interesting that the whole area of competencies, and I've seen companies develop competencies in Poland, Hungary, Spain, France, Germany, the States, Australia, and the Middle East. And what, what you see is the process of commercialization globally there's some commonality in the way people are being expected to relate to people. 
And part of being in management research group is that it's research-based, the, the work that we do. So we can see where there are certain characteristics. They're not characteristics in terms of traits that would go back, that differentiate, you know, some people are born to be leaders, some people aren't. They're actually physical behaviors that you can see and demonstrate that are actually in a workplace that are more effective than not. So... Okay. Sorry, go on. So... Um, so going back, there are, there are, there's a global pattern that's happening about people changing their behaviors. What's really stimulating is that you can get f 20 people into a room from 20 different locations. And what they do is you learn that there's a common humanity that goes through 20 people. We're all human. The experiences that we have, whether from whichever location or whichever culture we're from, they're different. So what you assume is a common human trait is experienced differently in different nations. So the way they think, the way that they believe may not necessarily be the same. So we so does, are... Sorry to, sorry to inter interrupt you, but does that almost blow a hole in the idea that there is a one-size-fits-all um, approach to leadership or being a leader? I'd, I'd, I'd question one-size-fits-all. Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely, you know, the genius in the boardroom is no longer something we can simply rely on to change things. The world is too complex and too diverse and too volatile to do that. The What's what's innovation in Hewlett Packard isn't the same as innovation in in McDonald's. Mm -hmm. What's innovation in research and development isn't the same as research as as production or finance. So what we found recently is a company that we're working with in the automotive industry one needed to change its leadership approach and its business strategy, and we went in there. And we looked at their competencies, we updated their competencies, and we ran a generic program based on innovation. And we have a particular tool that says, can you apply your learning? So the tool showed us that people had real uh, great program, great excitement, but the actual, the actual delivery of the behavioral change they couldn't do. And they told us the reason was the behaviors that we were teaching were generic. They couldn't apply their behaviors to their particular context. So it's behavior that is fundamental. And it's fundamental to working with Alfie. It's fundamental to read when somebody else is walking their dog, what the hell they're thinking two, 20 meters before they even arrive anywhere near Alfie. And Alfie now has learned he stops and waits with me until I'm there. And then we walk towards the people and the dog together. But behavioral, reading people's behavioral, intuitively picking up what they're thinking by watching their face, watching what they're doing with their dog, watching the pace that they walk, is fundamental picking. And that's no different from changing a corporation as it is walking your dog. If you can't do that, you're not going to lead in any way possible. Okay, you're preaching to the converted here. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're preaching to the converted, but I, I agree with you, and I, I agree. There's so much in what you've said that I agree with about anticipation, about behaviour, about the intuitive aspect, and I'll, I mean these are all areas that I'll be I'll be touching on in in future shows. Um, so really, just to, just to sum this up, because we've only got about two minutes left now. Um, if you had to give then one, one hint, tip, one piece of advice, a practical thing that somebody could, could go out and do differently tomorrow to help them become more effective as a leader themselves, what, what would you say to them there, Mike? What, what, what would that be? Again, can I go up to Rosebury Topping and just sit there for a while and contemplate <laughs> your question? With Alfie? Yes, yes, you can go and you can go and let Alfie chase his deer. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's a real thing. And, and I, I think it's, it's where, where I started, that leadership is a process. You can be absolutely brilliant at managing a process and people won't follow you. Right. So it's about that followership and that that making the clear distinction um, between manager and leader, leadership as a process, leader as the person. And you, you've really talked very much about the, the first followers and building that resilience into the whole process. Mike, that, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can do leadership and I, I might not get any followers. Mm. I can do I can do authentic and might not getting any followers, but the power of doing both, but in the context that I'm in, with the people that I'm with, is fundamental. That's a really really interesting point to finish on, Mike. That's been absolutely fantastic. So if if people want to to contact you or find out more about your work, how would they do that? Where would they look? And www.3llifelonglearning.co.uk. Okay, and I assume, as with everybody these days, you're on LinkedIn. Yep. Yep. Okay. Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Fantastic. 3L. 3L. Is Alfie on LinkedIn yet? Um, there's a picture of Alfie on LinkedIn. All right. <laughs> and, and, and if you go on a Facebook with Mike Smith, I'm the one with Alfie at the fridge. Alfie at the fridge. Right. Well, that's obviously a different story for a different show. So, okay. Mike, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say a huge thank you. Um, it's been fascinating to talk to you to get all of those insights. Um, I, I've certainly enjoyed it. I'm sure all the listeners will. And what all I'd like to do is is say thank you again for for being part of the Leadership Unleashed experience. And to everybody else who is listening, please join me again next time where we'll be continuing to explore the, uh, the concept of how leaders can learn the skills that they need to be more effective and how perhaps our canine friends can help us a little bit along the way. So thank you again. This is Leslie Hunter, Leadership Unleashed, and speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Leslie and her book, Who Put You in Charge? Go to lesliehunter.com. There you can also join the pack, a free membership group where you'll receive regular hints and tips from Leslie, as well as access to some great leadership resources. So how are you doing as a leader? See how you measure up by downloading Leslie's free iPad app, the Effective Leader Scoreboard, available on iTunes. We'll see you next week for another edition of Leadership Unleashed.